0: We're on a mission from God. Wendy. So I got that going. Darling.
1: Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue.
0: Light of my life.
2: We enjoy your films. I am a human. I thought they
1: smelled bad. On the
0: outside.
2: Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly.
1: I'm Jesse Bayliss. And I'm Richard Wells. And
2: today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Mother's Day on not Mother's Day, September 19th, 1980.
1: Yeah, what's up with that release date? I don't
2: know. It was written by Charles Kaufman and Warren Light, directed by Kaufman, and released by United Film Distribution Company. So Charlie Kaufman directed this? Yeah and wrote it
1: not that charlie not that
2: charlie kaufman no or the fictional donald kaufman (laughs) yeah it's weird to not release this on mother's day
1: well i mean i i kind of get the logic in that when you write a mother's day horror film this is not your average mom's cup of tea right this is probably not what you want to take her to on mother's day and like it's it's not like one of those you know new year's eve or valentine's day movies that they make nowadays that are like it goes along with the holiday and you want to Mm -hmm. take your significant other to it or whatever
2: but it might be a good like novelty program to like like counter programming to be like oh well i hate my mom so i'm gonna go watch this mother's day movie on mother's day
1: yeah i don't know i think it just it, it, maybe they were thinking that it would have been a hard sell for mother's day and it just plays better closer to halloween
2: that's possible
0: Yeah, but it's not even really that close to halloween September, it september 19th
2: september
1: 19th yeah uh, usually uh halloween i mean nowadays halloween movies come out right at the end of september really leading up to october because once you hit the end of october nobody's seeing them anymore after halloween yeah
2: that's true
0: i don't pay enough attention to that genre <laughs>
2: <laughs> this film was made for a budget of hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. the previous owner of the home they filmed it in was actually murdered in that house oh,
1: nice. By the crew. by the
2: crew <laughs> <laughs> in preparation we wanted
1: to make it authentic
2: they actually shared a few locations with the first and second Friday the 13th movies. Beatrice Pons was billed as Rose Ross so that she could take the lead in this non-union production. She hoped that the name change would protect her from being recognized and ejected from the Screen Actors Guild. She was desperate to play the part of Mother in this That's movie. Weird.
1: Well, did it? That's weird. It's a weird choice. Did what? she get in trouble? Did she get in trouble?
2: Not as far as I know. I don't think that this movie was very big when it came out. Yeah obviously charles kaufman is the brother of lloyd kaufman founder of Troma. but this was not officially a trauma film on its release it was acquired by them later but um i don't think it made a bunch of money for anybody
1: <laughs> you don't think it was as big as trauma films no
2: <laughs> when you're when you're slightly less successful than a trauma film you're doing bad
0: trauma's <laughs> younger brother yeah <laughs> it's literally
2: trauma's younger brother <laughs> We start the film tracking across the audience of some kind of self-confidence seminar called EGO, which stands for Ernie's Growth Opportunity. Evidently, most of this crowd is just the crew of the film.
0: I really wanted this to go somewhere. I really wanted this to be a part of the story.
2: Like at least some kind of wraparound at the end? Yeah. Ernie instructs the audience to kiss each other and thank them for sharing their stories today. Yeah. It's pretty gross.
0: (laughs) This is our second, like, just awkward kissing movie in a row. That's true.
2: Yeah. Uh, He punctuates the presentation with what seems to be his mantra gibberish
0: because once you stop to think about what you feel you doubt what you know and once you doubt what you know you could assume you don't know it why because you don't act on it once you know what you know
1: you act on
2: it and everyone applauds this he excuses the class and an older woman from the front row is wrapped up in a conversation with a couple of hippies a third her age the guy i think looks like a cross between paul rudd and benedict cumberbatch and the girls basically it's lady gaga yeah 100 (laughs) percent. the hippies intentionally mention that they don't have a ride home so the older woman offers them one in the back seat as they drive the guy is pulling out a rope and he's just tying knots in it very angrily the car breaks down on the side of the road and the older woman steps out to inspect the problem the guy in the back seat urges lady gaga to run over the woman while she's checking under the hood
1: well wait a minute though hold on here I'm not so sure that these guys were evil in any way or wanted to hurt her in any way because he's he's saying just do it, just do it, just do it, and like as he's reaching for as she's reaching forward, it like it kind of you know switches to her putting on the radio,
2: mm-hmm. right? And as, then he says thank you.
1: Yeah, as in like he's not actually encouraging her to do anything wrong,
2: but she slides over behind the steering wheel, which she wouldn't have to do if she was just changing the radio. I know. I, mean, I got the impression more that they intended to kill her and that when she blew their opportunity, he pretended like, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted. Thanks. Thanks eh. for turning on the radio.
1: I, I thought it was a twist on, no, we're not actually evil in any way.
0: I, I, I'm with Jess in the Jesse camp on this one. I feel like they were supposed to be a fake out, but they were – but. On Pat's side, they were being way too menacing. Yeah, like in in their attempt and they were like, to be not menacing. Yeah, How,
2: is there anybody waiting for you at home? Yeah, like, what's what's going to happen if, uh, say, for instance, you didn't show up?
0: Yeah, exactly. But I, I do think that the gag is that they weren't actually going to do anything, and yeah. the twist is that it's the old lady who's going to do the right, things. Right.
2: Right. But he even like he's so insistent that she turn on the radio that he yanks her hair yeah down yeah. into the back seat and he's like pulling on her and screaming at her to take care of business and she literally just turns on a shitty song and he's like <laughs> thank you i don't know why you put up such a fight uh suddenly a hand with a machete is swinging toward the man in the back seat through the window gaga in the driver's seat is screaming and somehow
1: <laughs> she she has blood on her she before already. he's he's been whacked with the machete there's yeah. already blood on her shirt and face <laughs> she's just
2: drenched in it it's, it's
1: some of that pre-blood yeah <laughs> um, she just got preed all over yeah
2: and uh Ew. oh no
1: cut that out of the show No. <laughs>
2: In addition to the editing error i think it was also a mistake to show the full-on prosthetic head in profile for two full shots before it gets lopped off because it gave us way too much time to be like that's not a real head i don't care what happens to this
1: couldn't you have just had that be the guy's head for a while yeah
2: and only show it the second that the machete is touching it Uh, a second assailant yanks gaga out of the driver's seat and throws her on the roof of the car where her shirt is ripped open and her teeth are just smashed in by a barrage of punches like at first it seems like oh he's gonna rape this woman on the top of the car but then he's just hammering her face to the top of the car it's very weird the mother is telling the boys to stop for a moment gaga crawls to the mother on her knees pleading for help and mother just strangles her with the rope that they had in the back seat which i thought the point was that they were planning to use this on her yeah and so she took it to use it on the other girl but maybe it's just like a oh here's a thing you brought now i'm going to kill you with it
1: yeah. darlings you have made your mother very proud
0: yeah there's a couple of these echoing yeah cutaways
2: and then we fade to yellow and we get mother's day and this drippy red comic sans font yeah <laughs> that was my
0: note
1: comic sans <laughs> um. can we really call it a fade to yellow i
2: yeah or yellow out yeah (laughs) Yeah. is it it's not a dip to yellow is it i I don't know
1: it
0: it complements the red it's like ketchup (laughs) and mustard
1: i just think it's really weird that we like through all the transitions we we go to yellow in this movie
2: (laughs) uh we cut to a slideshow happening of photographs of three girls in college and all their college memories they're sort of narrating it as we see it uh switching from picture to picture and then We cut from these three girls together reminiscing to them in three different cities across the country, where the first one is at a pool party in Beverly Hills. This is, I think, her home, and we're getting a cameo from the director as a man who snorts a line of coke off of a silver platter and then collapses out of the shot. Now, I call this a director cameo because in the credits on IMDb, Charles Kaufman is listed as cocaine addict at this party. And that's the only person I would call a cocaine addict. But in the trivia and other places I've read, this they say that the person who snorts cocaine is the director's father. But the guy sure. who snorts the line of cocaine is not old enough to be the father of the director. I don't think.
1: I so. have to, I'd have to look at it again. But he I just mean, looks
2: like a young Ron Perlman kind of.
1: Maybe he's a junior, you know. Maybe. And so. Maybe his dad is a young-looking uh, guy, also by the name of Charles.
2: So this is either our director or his father, but i'm not comfortable taking either side officially
1: there's a guy credited uh, as uh, stanley kaufman who is older man at pool party
2: right and i think that's the guy who's talking about kubrick
1: okay therefore stanley charlie and lloyd's father
2: i would think that more than that he's the guy who actually snorts the line of cocaine yeah
1: yeah i agree with you on that
2: the woman hosting the party trina receives a telegram even though the title introducing the scene clearly said present day
1: well, I think
0: the I think officially Telegram stopped in like early two thousands.
2: Right. So this was like a novelty Telegram.
0: Uh, I perhaps
2: I think that the, that this would have just been a fax. I don't know why it wasn't just a fax. They were sending faxes in the eighties, right? Mm-hmm. We cut from Beverly Hills to Chicago, where Abby is getting home with groceries. As she enters her apartment, she's getting yelled at by her mom. As soon as she's inside. She knows the lecture so well that she's able to lip-sync to it from the next room. If I could walk, I would to go
0: for anything. But I'm a sick woman! I'm a sick woman! I'm a sick woman!
2: She unwraps another telegram and smiles, and we cut to New York, where Jackie is home listening to her voicemails. One is her mother trying to push a new man on her, and the next one is her ex-husband letting her know that they can still file jointly for the year despite their divorce jackie packs her bags until a man grabs her from behind and throws her on the bed it's her new boyfriend ted who she thought had something to do today she reminds him that she's leaving on a trip and he asks if he can crash at her place before stealing 50 bucks from her purse because we get the impression over the course of the story that she just gets fucked over by men every her entire life everything that ever happens to her is men taking advantage of her jackie's boyfriend reads off a laundry list of excuses why he can't work there's too much art in him the theater won't let go of him before she leaves she tells ted that she loves him and he says take care on her way out the doorman complains that he's bored and she says well if you're free for the weekend there's plenty to do in new york and he says i'll
1: never be free as long as i'm a black man in america
2: (laughs) trina and abby wait on the side of the road in drexburg until jackie shows up to drive them to their destination
0: yeah so why are they meeting here i don't know like I understand they they all had to come, one came, one came from LA, one came from Chicago. I assume they both flew into a major New York airport.
2: Right, because that's where they're coming from New York to go to New Jersey. Yeah. Why wouldn't they all meet in New Jersey?
0: Yeah, exactly. They could all meet at the New York airport, or at least at a bus station, and not just a random like construction yard. Yeah, it looks like a road. junkyard almost.
2: <laughs> but just before Jackie shows up, a bus stops there and asks if they're the dames from the Historical Society and when they say no he just kind of mumbles unintelligibly as he pulls away i can't even tell what he's saying and this character doesn't come back i don't know what that was for jackie pulls up to pick them up and they head off into the woods in the car she instructs them to put bags over their heads to keep the location secret they pull up to a gas station where two kids outside are playing the closest thing i could learn to dueling banjos in a few hours (laughs) i read that this film shares shooting locations with the first two friday the 13th films but i wasn't able to confirm conclusively that this is the same gas station from the first friday or the same lake i think it is the same lake uh inside jackie is tasked with purchasing beer and just as she walks in the cashier slices open his finger with scissors he was using to trim his nails so he's bleeding all over the counter she asks how far it is to deep barrens and the store owner urges her against it don't go messing up in deep barrens the door to the shop clicks open and in wander two bag-headed monsters who the store owner seems to have confused for robbers. Jackie's bag-blinded passengers have for some reason wandered into the store less than a minute after her and proceed to sweep all of the store's produce to the floor, leaving Jackie to tell the cashier,
1: It's alright. We're all college roommates.
2: the store owner shouts after them as they drive away.
1: You get what you deserve in empty you lesbians!
2: <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like... They don't even
0: try to clean up. They just trash nope, they this they just guy's knock store. it all over and
2: leave. The girls drive past a sign that says, Deep Barrens Wilderness Area. Proceed at your own risk. When I hear of a place called Barrens, mm-hmm. I think of it being spelled B-A-R-R-E-N-S. Okay. Like, there's how, nothing how there. It spelled here? But on the sign, it's spelled B-A-R-O-N-S, which I oh, think yeah, is just no. blatantly wrong.
1: Yeah, that's not right.
2: Jackie makes the girls wear their bag heads for the whole hike to the campsite from where they parked the car. They leave a trail of empty beer cans every few feet along the path.
0: So are we to assume that Jackie is Jackie, right? Who's yes, leading them? Jackie ja- is the host. Jackie has been here before?
2: I think so. Okay. But she didn't buy enough beer for them to put cans this close together from the car to the campsite. Yes, it's
1: not breadcrumbs. You can't just sprinkle them every few feet.
2: But I, I also get the impression that it's, it wasn't their intent to leave them as a trail to guide it was just just, that's just just how quickly they're drinking them (laughs) because one of them says wow we're drinking so much beer you could follow us from the trail of cans abby brings up the memory of how she and trina used to put jackie in a sleeping bag and lower her out of their window to go on dates with dauber an ex of hers trina gets tired of walking in her high-heeled shoes and takes them off the other girls pick on her beverly hills attitude and abby asks
0: what's paul williams really like hey
2: (laughs) trina takes her first barefoot step right into a pile of bear shit or bear duty i think they call it (laughs)
0: well and also they're not doing much if there's bear poop means there's bears and they don't seem to be doing much in the way of like protecting Protecting from that yeah yeah, by leaving a trail of smelly food leading up to their camp
2: after they leave the shot we see something rustling in the bushes nearby and we fade to yellow again and back down on a shot of the lake, likely the same one playing Crystal Lake in Friday the 13th. The three girls make s'mores in their underwear outside at night while passing a joint around. Trina says that she might not even come to these anymore. She's getting bored of these annual mystery weekends, and Abby hopes that she will rethink abandoning the tradition because these retreats are the only thing keeping her sane the rest of the year. They suddenly notice Jackie is missing, and when she returns from the woods she has a knife stuck in her back, and Abby screams. It turns out she's playing a prank on them. Somehow they get back on the subject of Jackie's ex, Brad, call me Dauber Dobson, only now Abby and Trina have a harder time remembering his name for some reason. Maybe they're just stoned. We flash back to college, where Jackie brags about her boyfriend to Trina and Abby. His name is Brad Dobson. But But everybody calls him 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 Dauber. Dauber. (laughs) Jackie hops out of a van to meet up with him, and they head into a baseball stadium after hours. Dauber mentions how great he played on the pitcher's mound here in the past and how he plans to have sex with her here tonight. He lays out a blanket in the dirt and suddenly, I think we're alone now starts playing out of thin air, which reminded me of our previous horror film, He Knows You're Alone. (laughs) Jackie tells Dauber that she forgot the massage oils and steps away while Dauber continues undressing. Once he's totally naked, the girls can be heard laughing in the announcer's booth of the stadium. They flick on all the lights and Dauber freaks out.
1: Yeah. i don't know why he freaks out yeah I, there's literally nobody there except like her and her couple of girlfriends yeah like yeah.
2: i feel like this character would have just been like oh right i like where your head's at mm-hmm. like yeah. that would have been yeah
1: or like casually gotten up and be like fine screw you grabbed his clothes and just walked off and be like i guess i guess this isn't happening tonight. or just finished right there in the middle of the yeah. stadium
2: it <laughs> seems like a dauber move yeah <laughs> Um, It might have made more sense if Jackie had taken his clothes with her, but instead of just putting them back on, he just runs away with only the blanket into the night. Yeah. We fade back to the girls camping, and Jackie admits that she wishes she still had them around all the time to protect her like that. Maybe hinting at her ex-husband as of late, or the boyfriend that she's with now, who both seem fairly shitty. We cut to the POV from the woods of someone watching the campsite and breathing very heavily. We fade to yellow again, and then to morning where there's a tent set up, but all the girls have slept outside for some reason. Abby throws on a rain slicker and grabs binoculars and creeps away. She watches deer frolicking, and then suddenly a gloved hand grabs her ankle from under a bush and she screams bloody murder. It's Trina playing a joke again. Uh, Trina didn't play the joke last time, but these girls clearly just prank each other about murderers a lot. (laughs) The girls sneak up on Jackie and slap her on the back before jumping into the lake in various states of undress. And we back out again to another POV and see the brothers from earlier are watching the girls splash around in the water. We fade to yellow again and back to the girls sitting lakeside where Trina is fantasizing about paving this whole lake for a big parking lot. Jackie suddenly catches a fish and Abby and Jackie are terrified of it once they get it out of the water. Ironically, Trina is the one who knows how to gut the fish and prepare it to eat. That night as they lay down for bed, Abby thanks the girls for being there for her and treating her like a person. Trina is quick to accept the gratitude and Jackie tries to convince her that she more than deserves any kindness they've shown her.
1: But you are somebody, Abby. We only let you see that
2: (laughs) Suddenly Jackie is pounced upon by a man from the woods. He pulls her sleeping bag up over her head and ties it closed and a second guy does the same to Trina. Abby jumps to fight them off and is tossed to the ground before being bagged up herself. The guys drag these three occupied sleeping bags all the way back to their home. The boys tell Mama about their catches, and she reminds them to wipe the mud off their feet at the doormat. They drag the girls upstairs and unwrap them one at a time in their home gym and strap them to various pieces of exercise equipment. (laughs) I'm not sure where they got all this stuff.
1: I'm not sure that they use it as exercise equipment either. seems more like a torture room.
2: No, we see them exercise tomorrow, and it's a little different. It doesn't make use of a lot of this equipment each specimen is presented to mother upon their unwrapping and they all seem to meet with mother's approval trina fights back when she's unwrapped and ike the taller of the brothers is slapped much to the amusement of mother and adley the other brother trina is thrown against a piece of exercise equipment and strapped in place and gagged mother tells them to back off of trina and that jackie will be the first girl they take her downstairs on a metal leash and drag her outside at night to start setting up for the park bench scene which is this weird improv game that they play, apparently. The other girls are watching what's happening through a window upstairs, and the boys set her down on a park bench outside, and they basically set her up for this scene. It's a beautiful day, real nice, and Ike says, here's your words, and he gives her, like, a magazine. It's not like a script or anything, and she's holding it, and then the scene starts. Adley's walking by with one of those novelty invisible dog leash things, and he's scolding his invisible dog in a french accent when jackie just stands up like cutting through the scene to address mother directly and she's like please let us go i don't understand what's happening and they all yell at her to sit back down behind the bench ike is collecting trash in a bag but suddenly both men are squealing like pigs with knives and slashing her clothes off as they layer across the park bench mother yells cut she tells them that they need to get better at this that they left her arm out in some way that she could grab them or escape
1: i i saw one of her hands free over there that was Alex's fault. that was Alex's That fault. was your fault it was your fault you know what i was in charge of that, that i don't care whose fault it was so this is in theory practice for whatever right. it is they do it's exactly. not just they're not just like making up a play here they're practicing what they're gonna how they're gonna attack women
2: but they have favorite scenes to reenact too it seems like because they're very excited when they hear it's the park bench scene but then they switch scenes to Shirley Temple, and Ike is less excited about it. He's like, oh, I don't really like this one. And uh, But Adley's all over it.
1: We don't really see what Shirley Temple is, though, do we?
2: We do a little bit. They they dress her up in these raggedy clothes, and they give her like a stack of books wrapped in a belt and a raggedy Ann doll. And they instruct her to walk like a little girl. And this is when Adley just jumps on her and throws her to the ground and opens her shirt before slapping her around and just shouting, bitch, 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 as he's slapping her.
1: Seems like a little bit less to this one than the no, bench scene. No, there's, there's more to oh, it. Oh, is there the, more?
2: Because then Trina watches from above as uh, Adley rapes her on the lawn while Ike is taking a bunch of Polaroids of her. Hmm. Before they go to bed for the night, Mother instructs the boys to lock the doors up tight because Queenie's out there and she just knows it. We fade to yellow again and then to morning outside the house, a big bird alarm clock with an almost unrecognizable voice goes off beside Ike's bed. I know. I, I'm not sure that this is the actual voice of the toy, or if they just know. did a sound alike thing. I mean,
1: I'm not sure. It seems like from some of these movies that people were less concerned about rights, and yeah, stuff like rights that. and getting sued over this stuff. Like in The Shining, they had all those posters on the That's on the true. boys' wall, and you know, here we have the Sesame Street sort of uh, alarm clock thing going on. I feel like they just. Went to a thrift store and like, hey, let's use this. This looks yeah. good. Let's put this in there. And it
0: could just be that the voice box is all kind of worn out. That's true. And like,
2: maybe maybe in nineteen eighty Big Bird sounded different than I'm used to from mm-hmm. growing up.
1: Well, especially in a nineteen eighty toy. Like That's true. when you watch those uh Toys That Made Us episodes, some of those voices don't so sound anything like the characters.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Trina notices a poster beside her on the wall held up with a nail, and she decides that she's gonna hop her exercise equipment over there and drag her ropes across the nail to cut them off adley races into breakfast with a trap that has snapped shut on a baby raccoon leg mama takes it into the kitchen presumably for soup as adley steps across the breakfast table crushing several donuts in the process like the whole table is covered in food and he just walks across the middle of it trina is able to cut through the ropes and she's making decent progress escaping when the brothers enter suddenly with breakfast for them both girls are then cut completely loose and allowed to eat unattended. Trina demands to know where Jackie is and calls Ike a backwards, perverted piece of shit, and he's not offended by anything except for the word backwards, apparently, because they think they're very city-fied here with all their televisions and pop culture toys. The house is littered with G.I. Joes and Sesame Streets and music posters. Ike choke-slams Trina against the wall and says we citified you look around the brothers are rushed downstairs by mother to participate in their exercises ike stabs at targets adley does one-arm push-ups ike lifts weights with a headband using his neck mother takes copious notes on a clipboard i don't know what she's writing (laughs) down she's just timing them or what ike smashes various fruits with human faces adley slashes at a baby doll with a machete in addition to general exercise they also do a lot of destroying their own house breaking in windows even though they apparently have to lock the place up tight at night to keep queenie at bay <laughs> upstairs trina and abby have settled on the plan from college where trina will be lowered out the window wrapped in a sleeping bag downstairs ike and adley start wrestling and chase each other around the house
0: i i i don't understand the ba- the, the sleeping bag concept of the why that's asked- any
2: better than just jumping or
0: well i get that it's slightly better than just jumping but why does she have to be inside of it? Why can't she hold on to the sleeping bag and be lowered down and then right. then then she doesn't have to be lowered all the way. She could just be lowered to a nice quick fall height. Also, yeah.
1: I think you have two or three sleeping bags in there. You could just zip them together to make one long rope. Also, you had rope in there. They they were tied up with rope. I don't understand why she's using like a Shoe, shoelace to tie this bag up to, i like, think it's just it the drawstring
2: of the well, sleeping maybe. bag either
1: way it's the size of a shoelace as opposed yeah. to a nice thick rope that you know you were tied up with a moment ago
2: and also a drawstring is only like at most double the the mouth of the sleeping bag it's not going to reach two stories to the ground so you can't lower somebody by the drawstring of a sleeping bag
1: yeah i don't know all around bad plan
2: abby starts to drop trina out of the window and holds onto this drawstring very tightly in her hands apparently it's long enough to reach the ground we get a quick insert of the of the straps against the back of her hand and it's clearly pinching her skin very tightly
1: this is freaking me out (laughs) so bad this shot of the string like sawing through her hand yeah
2: Adley begins creeping around the house under the sleeping bag and then Abby has to hold it in place. The rope is dragging tighter and tighter against her hand until it's literally slicing all the flesh from her hand bones when suddenly the brothers disappear around the house and she drops Trina to the ground. Trina immediately runs back upstairs to Abby.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. Why do you run back into the house?
2: The only explanation is that the door was locked from the outside.
1: Yeah, I guess I get that and you're running back in to save her, but but then they
2: also stay in the house for a weirdly long time after that Like immediately
1: exit and and the house run away
2: when she enters the house trina thinks that she's caught when she mistakes a tv commercial for burger bits dog food as someone in the house hey look at you you need some burger bits and she's like oh she realizes it's a tv it's like a
1: home alone moment (laughs) yeah Uh,
2: upstairs abby shows trina her fucked up hands and Trina rushes her out of the house, but first they're looking for Jackie in the boys' room. They open a closet and find a corpse hanging on the closet door, and the hippie dude's head in a bird cage. See, I, yeah, I thought this was Jackie. Yeah, I was but sure he it did was that too, too. Because it's not Lady Gaga. It's not
1: blonde. Yeah.
2: So I don't know who this person is. It's relatively fresh. Looks fresher than the head in the bird cage, but then maybe the head in the bird cage lost a lot more blood faster, because it's just a head they start to leave until suddenly a hand grabs abby's uh from out of a drawer in a dresser and they realize when they pull the drawer out that this is jackie she's been stashed in this dresser drawer and she looks on the edge of death trina asks how are we going to get her out of here and abby is just shaking her head no i wanted trina to say quick i'll put her in a sleeping bag and you lower her out the window (laughs) Uh, they tiptoe down the stairs, carrying Jackie toward a door to the outside, but for whatever reason, take a hard right <laughs> just before this door. <laughs> yeah,
1: this this whole escape plan is making me a crazy person, guys. And
2: uh, from the sound design, it sounds like every room that they walk into is the room where all the bad guys are. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really frustrating because you're just like, why are they coming into this room? It sounds like the bad guys are in here. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but they're not every time. And uh, while moving through the kitchen, they are very suddenly tackled by Ike who throws Trina against the wall by the neck again.
0: This is Ike's signature move. Yeah, just a, a tackle. A leaping tackle while going ah, la, 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 la. Yeah.
2: That's true. <laughs> but then while he's strangling her against the wall again, uh, he can hear mother screaming from the front yard. She has collapsed in the lawn and claims that Queenie tried to attack her again. Thanks to mother's diversion, the girls are able to carry Jackie's body out into the wilderness. They decide it's too far to the car and lay Jackie down in a safe space abby offers to wait with her while trina goes for help and trina books it for the road eventually finding the trail of beer cans to their car the grill of the car is all smashed in and it won't start and when trina checks under the hood she finds a huge mess including underwear for some reason like there's all sorts of garbage in here now Mm
1: -hmm. i don't know that is this their car Yes. Are you sure?
2: It's the car that she picked them up in.
1: Okay, yeah. cuz I wasn't sure if she just found a random car no. like on the side of the road like this could have belonged to anybody.
2: No, this is the car that they left parked there that the brothers must have destroyed when they found
1: it. It just seems like there it just seems like it had been there for a long time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Late at night, Trina seems to be running full speed down a road when she notices a police car coming down the path. She dashes out in front of it screaming for the cop's help and hugs the cop tight. <laughs> doesn't seem to question that he's groping her until she reaches up to swipe off his hat and glasses and realizes this is ike pretending to be a
0: police officer or or is a police officer because later she screams they're the police yeah like oh i thought they were just pretending
2: well at first i thought he was the police officer but i go back and forth on it she struggles to get away from him and he chokes her against the hood of the car until she knees him in the crotch he fires his handgun at her as she's ducking off into the woods. And uh, we cut back to Abby with Jackie, and Jackie is dying. She's She hasn't eaten in 48 hours, and she was raped and beaten, and now she's dying here in the woods. So she doesn't get any sort of retribution for all the crimes that men have played against her her entire life. <laughs> this character just gets to die in the woods. Trina is chased through the woods by Ike for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, she grabs a branch and pulls it back and just waits several minutes for him to arrive, and then snaps it in his face for a maximum few seconds' advantage. Uh, Trina seems caught up in some plants where she's hiding for a moment. She notices a rock nearby and reaches for it ever so slowly. She throws the rock as a distraction into the bushes opposite her, and when Ike does his signature leaping scream, uh, he goes through the bush and then down an embankment on the other side of the plants. Trina gets back to Abby, basically leading Ike right to them. And Trina's having a panic attack and explains that Ike is a police officer before she notices that Jackie is gone. She turns to scream into the wilderness full of murderers, and Abby promises Trina that they will get those bastards. We cut back to the house where Mother and Adley are playing board games. Adley is losing and upset about it. He would rather be out with Ike chasing the girls, and Mother says, Well, then who's going to stay with me while Queenie is on the prowl? Adley says, Grandma says Queenie's dead.
1: Now come on, Adley, it's your role.
2: Adley suspects out loud, since he's never seen Queenie in his life, that Mother is making her up so that she can keep her sons nearby. Mother slaps Adley in response. Oh,
1: Adley, my sister Queenie was evil from birth. She
0: was the most contrary baby they ever did see
2: queenie was evidently born with a full head of long white hair and broke mother's neck in the crib explaining the neck brace that mother has been wearing for this whole film Uh, adley says yeah grandma said she shot queenie after that (laughs) like their grandmother was like oh you broke your sister's neck come on outside i'm gonna shoot you
0: i mean with this family i would see that that is probably
2: but then maybe that's not what happened adley as proof that queenie has been killed shows mother the ear that grandma says she cut off of queenie after she killed her so she's like come on out here and then shot her sister cut her ear off and brought it back as as, evidence. as certificate of destruction yeah it was
1: like a snow white thing like bringing back a boar's heart like mm-hmm. i don't people yeah. can survive without an ear also yeah. how can you prove whose ear this is
2: Yeah, van gogh <laughs> could have proved his own death mother says that this doesn't mean anything and she knows grandma set queenie free She makes Adley promise that he and Ike will never leave her and he complies. The next morning, Abby's hands have been bandaged with what looks like gaffer's tape. (laughs) It's just like white masking tape wrapped around her hands. They pack up all their equipment from camp and carry Jackie's body through the woods again. For some dumb reason, they take the body back to the house where the murderers live. Well,
1: why, A, why are you taking the body at all? You've been being hunted by these guys. Yeah. Just get out of there as quickly as humanly possible. Just run out of yeah. there. Don't carry a body. Come back for it later when you have, like, authorities with you.
2: Yeah.
0: Trina also had time to put her hair into, like, braided pigtails.
2: Yeah. I think it's, it's also funny that Jackie kind of spelled out her own doom by making her friends wear bags over their heads the whole way to this camp so that they didn't know the way out (laughs) because then it's like oh you might have survived the night if your friends knew which way the road was but you put bags over their heads but they
1: got to a road
2: eventually like 12 hours later
1: but they got to a road when she was trying when she you know was stopped by the cop yeah but it
2: was nighttime by then they left in the morning
1: but I'm just saying, you have a concept of where the road is now. Just yeah. find the road and run. Go
2: back there. Yeah, there's no reason to go back to the house other than revenge. What would be the purpose of killing it? They prop up Jackie's corpse against a nearby tree so she can watch them avenge her. Abby gives her a kiss on the dead, bloody face. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and then they do their rat pack forever. That's what they call themselves, the rat pack. Uh, they, they do sort of their you know, hand gesture. Were there four members of the rat pack? uh sure
1: <laughs> yeah they were also dudes that sing like there is no correlation here yeah. between them and the actual <laughs> rat pack <laughs> uh,
2: inside the house mother complains
1: after all my teaching and working and training this is what i did he loses two city gals in the woods
2: didn't he lose three they don't know jackie's dead uh this he true. he promises that he won't fuck it up this time but mother is very upset she speaks to ike through adley and says tell your brother you're going to do it right this time and no more policeman gags.
1: Wait, which is why I think he isn't actually a policeman, and he's just playing at it.
2: But he had a full uniform and a police car.
1: Yeah, they like to dress the part. They play. They play up the role. It's one but of they, their
2: scenes. It's one they, of the scenes. Yeah. They do. They don't keep the police car at their house. Well, so how do you is it just, know, they because it's not there.
1: there. But they have a lot of junk there. You don't know. It's around the back. I don't know.
2: Either way, <laughs> very confusing. I and, and so okay. Let's say for let's say for a moment they they are joking that they have a police car that he dresses up in the full policeman's uniform and drives around on these country roads in a police car yeah and he's never encountered another police car
1: yeah they're in the they're they're in the barons police don't go to the barons
2: well which barons you're talking b-a-r-o-n yeah that's true then
1: <laughs> i mean,
0: i You could also just assume that it's a normal car and they just have lights that they can put on top of it.
2: Take off of it. That's true. Uh, Ike puts on his attack gear, which looks like maybe a paratrooper helmet type thing. And he promises Ma that he's going to do this right. Adley's in the kitchen when he hears the sound of one of the girls picking the lock on the kitchen door. And as he moves to investigate it, Abby runs up behind him with the car antenna? And stabs him with it hard enough that it goes through the back of his neck and comes out of his throat with that little, like, round ball on the end of it.
1: Right. I feel like this is impossible. You can't go through. I mean, you're going to hit, like, a trachea or a spinal cord. You're going to hit the skin on the back, and it's going to bend.
0: That's true. It's not going to go the whole way through your (laughs) head.
2: That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. it's gonna be These,
0: like trying to inject Superman with a needle. It's just like
2: yeah, ee. they're super super <laughs> flimsy, and it would just bend as soon as it touched him. But she, I maybe she's got like light speed reflexes, and she just m- managed to smash it exactly at the right angle. But it also not only that. This is a car antenna; they fucking collapse. That's the whole point of the design. <laughs> Even if you hit him square in the back, it would it would slide into itself. So.
0: I I think I think a cool gag would have been. That this is the kind of car antenna that extends when the car comes on. Yeah, and they had like a battery, and they he she shoves it into the, his neck and then turns it on. So that <laughs> that <they're> like, <laughs> it just brr. slowly <laughs> pushes out. Yeah, I think that would have been a really interesting. <laughs> but that. also, it's, it's connected a to a radio,
2: and the signal's getting better and better. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great.
0: It starts playing "Welcome to the Jungle." <laughs>
2: yeah, um, I don't know when that was recorded. <laughs> yeah, right here in the middle of this scene. Uh, just just as the he's reacting to the throat stab trina comes through the door and smashes his crotch with the claw side of a hammer and blood is just gushing out of his crotch as he tries to dislodge the tool the girls then gag him until he suffocates i'm surprised he's able to scream for as long as he is with a hole through his entire neck and what looks like a full shirt of cloth in his mouth inexplicably the girls decide to carry his corpse across the front yard totally out in the open where ike notices well jackie has to see (laughs) right she couldn't see (laughs) sorry let's get this outside uh but then yeah ike sees it and he does one of his squealing dives out of the top floor of this building and he tackles them to the ground outside when ike realizes adley is dead he starts choking trina against the yard abby runs away to find a can of powdered drano which she then dumps in ike's mouth causing him to cough up Bloody foam instantly.
1: Yeah, and I'm having PTSD from yes. my accident yeah. last week. <laughs> Drano in the
2: face. Yeah, she, she wanted to do a Mythbusters for this, and it turns out <laughs> it's actually extremely painful to dump an entire bottle of Drano over your face. <laughs> that happened. She's okay. <laughs> I didn't do it, I swear.
1: <laughs> the whole world just knows I'm an idiot now. <laughs>
2: he persists in following Trina back to the house, and as he approaches her, abby drops a television on his head his face is visible through the screen of the tv as it's shooting sparks all over the room because apparently it's still plugged in and then he collapses finally dead and smoke rises from his mouth after death by electrocution oh but wait he's not dead (laughs) And (laughs) and he grabs trina before she can leave the room desperately she is able to snag an electric carving knife off the kitchen counter not unlike the one we just had in the exterminator but this one is used in more of a stabbing motion to kill the beast (laughs) and she's splashed repeatedly with blood i think at the end of this take she literally gets a bunch of fake blood in her eye and so she literally like puts the knife down to like put her hand up to her eye like okay we overdid this abby moves around the house in search of mother and after checking the bedroom mother creeps out of the closet to follow her They move downstairs to the basement and suddenly abby comes screaming into the room and collapses onto the bed with a big knife in her back mother laughs at the successful murder that one of her boys must have just pulled off but when she gets closer she realizes that this is not real this is jackie's prank that abby is reenacting and abby stands up trina and abby throw the old woman across the bed and abby offers to take care of her your daughter will take care of you oh
0: you stay in bed. And we'll get your clothes and make your food and
1: take care of everything.
2: You stay in bed. Why? Because you're a sick woman. It's clear Abby is getting some much needed therapy from this murder, and she's holding these giant inflatable boobs that are <laughs> transparent. <laughs> Yes. and she's smashing them against mother's face oh my God. with the nipple in her mouth like she's breastfeeding her to death yeah and then eventually she suffocates this woman
1: this is such a weird way to kill her
2: when she finishes she starts screaming realizing what she was envisioning doing while she killed this old woman later the two friends bury jackie in the woods
1: Wait, we dragged this whole body Dangerously back to this site, and now we're not even going to take her out of the woods to like yeah. give her a proper burial with her family. Yeah, uh, she
2: doesn't have a family; she gonna, doesn't we're, even. We're going
0: to bury her here with Aiken, Adley, and Mother. <laughs> yeah, where
2: she would want to lay for the rest of her life.
0: <sighs> I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess the only reason that I could see to bury her would be to keep wild animals from like
2: tearing apart her body while they're like they should have been doing with their food the whole time.
0: Yeah. Because, like, they're going to have to leave. It's probably going to be a couple of days before they can get back.
1: I mean, once again, like, I don't know, take her to that car that was left in the road. Or put her in the house or Mm -hmm. something. Or find
2: the police car that's apparently here somewhere, hidden on the property. But uh, they hang her class ring on a necklace that's draped over her half-assed headstone, which is like two sticks on a cross. And as they leave the funeral, to which none of Jackie's family were invited... They come face-to-face with Queenie, the one-eared devil of the woods. (laughs) And we we fade to yellow as Queenie attacks.
0: Oh, man. Is Queenie the Jersey devil? Is that
2: a... Uh, She probably is because this is very close to where that that mythology exists. Our writer-director here was Charles Kaufman. He's the brother of Troma founder Lloyd Kaufman, who we had earlier this year on both sides of the camera in the final countdown. This was... Charles's second feature after Squeeze Play, which his brother directed. He also wrote 65 episodes of Dennis the Menace, the animated series. Uh, he also wrote an episode of the original Ghostbusters, as well as four episodes of the real Ghostbusters. So he wrote. For the one with the monkey and the one with people
0: he's <laughs> right oh i get to write on a ghostbusters cartoon great yeah oh wait what's this
2: charles was also the ep on the 2010 semi-remake of mother's day which i watched for this and has almost nothing to do with this movie aside from an older woman with two kids or uh, technically in the remake, she has four kids but two of them are named ike and adley and they take their last name from one of the actors playing the sons here but aside from that there's almost nothing in common with the movie mother's day the writer here was warren late or light uh, this is warren's first writing credit and warren has over a hundred story credits across three incarnations of law and order frederick coffin played ike coffin becomes the surname of the crazy family in the remake uh, frederick coffin was a lunar shopping observer in nothing lasts forever he played carl in the macgyver episode deadly silence He's Officer Koharski in Wayne's World. Yeah. And he plays Parker Wyndham in Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century.
0: (laughs) Gotta get that Xenon
2: reference. Beatrice Pons played Mother. She's credited here as Rose Ross. She was Mrs. Emma Ritzik on The Phil Silvers Show. We had him earlier this year as William Warkoff in The Happy Hooker Goes Hollywood. And she was also Lucille Tootie in 32 episodes of Car 54, Where Are You? Robert Collins played Ernie. That's the guy hosting the the self-help group at the beginning he plays darren in prom night three he's lord high executioner in the two-part a night in terror tower episodes of the goosebumps series and he played earl in an episode of the late 90s fx tv series based on the films i never realized that there was a show and it has two seasons starring carrie ann moss there's a tv show based on the movie's effects he also played a state trooper in the ref Peter Fox was the Dauber. He plays Roger Carter in Fraternity Row, and he's Otter in Delta House, which is the TV series adapted from the Animal House film. Kevin Lowe played Ted. He was Agent Brown in four episodes of Briscoe County Junior. Robert Carnegie was Tex. He plays somebody in Cruising, not clear who, and he also plays Bobby, the killer's coworker and friend in Don't Go in the House, the one who's like, oh i got a couple of real live ones for us uh stanley kaufman plays stanley kaufman he's the older man at the pool party he's the father of charles and lloyd kaufman and the woman with a dog at the party was their mother yeah this movie's kind of dumb
1: yeah i wasn't a big fan of this movie
2: it really has one thing going for it and it's the hands getting sliced open
1: i and that and that was just like it grossed me out a lot, so it, I I didn't really enjoy that in terms of like a you know gruesome horror type you know fun. It's it's not like Friday the Thirteenth kills where you're like this is fun. No, because there really weren't any good kills in this movie in my opinion because. They don't actually kill any of the girls. I mean, they do things to them, and one of them eventually dies. That's true. But they don't. We're, kill we're not any even of the clear girls. what the cause of death is for Jackie. I mean, terrible things happened to her, and it caused her death. But it wasn't like a horror film kill, like we see her being murdered. Yeah. And then when they come back and get these guys again, like I don't like. I guess the thing through the neck is was supposed to be the cool kill of the movie. I don't know. It's it wasn't all that i don't know it wasn't all that interesting of a kill to me
2: yeah which is probably why this guy didn't do more horror movies after this
1: yeah and aside from my own incident i wouldn't have found the you know the other kill of the you know the guy drinking drano particularly terrible either
2: that becomes sort of a mainstay of trauma attack stuff drano plays a big part because they figured out how to make pink foam come out of an actor's mouth safely and so they do that a lot (laughs) in trauma films
1: yeah so like i don't think this film has much going for it because it it doesn't have it's not a great story the the kills aren't all that great and, and and so i'm like what what do you have left
2: yeah it's basically it feels like texas chainsaw massacre up to a certain point and then it becomes uh like last house on the left or one of the like revenge type movies where the the victims turn it around and and turn on the attackers which doesn't really happen in texas chainsaw massacre
1: yeah and i guess then it would have been i would have preferred it be more of a cat and mouse game where instead of they they get there and then immediately kill the guys it's more of a now we get to play with you
2: yeah that's true what do you think richard
0: uh I could barely stand to watch this movie. Uh, As you know, I'm not a big on the horror film, but I was waiting for something interesting to happen. And then when it got like when they got abducted, I was like, okay, so like, you know, they're going to kill these girls. And then they just like kind of torture them. And that's definitely like I rather watch just clean kills than watching torture and rape stuff like I can't. I, I will admit that I fast forwarded through a good portion of this movie yeah. because I just I can't watch this. I just can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so overall, I'm just like nothing. I feel nothing at all for this movie.
2: I think even though as a horror fan, it's kind of lame yeah. because you, like you said, you don't get really good kills. You get mm-hmm. one really graphic thing where it's like literally just a person who's bad at physics trying to lower her friend out of yeah. a window. And
1: it's total it's a totally unnecessary thing. like if you're sacrificing your body and you're like then you like achieve achieve something you know really awesome like they she hurt herself in killing one of these guys then like maybe that's worth it. but like yeah. this seemed just like a stupid thing to do.
2: Yeah. And the decapitation that starts it like is not a very good decapitation. Oh no. And so for the only realistic fun violence gore to be that one moment with the hands and the whole rest of the movie is just like, slapsticky violence mm-hmm. is, a, is a really weird choice i think if they have had even two more scenes uh, specifically kills where people were killed in a very gruesome way with a lot of like meaty you know red blood stuff that this would be worth a watch but i would say the way it ends up there's not enough here to warrant sitting through the whole movie
1: yeah i mean you could have even just added a couple more girls so that some more of them could have died yeah i mean or round even, out that rat pack yeah
2: <laughs> they could have even done like obviously death proof was after this but they could have done something like that where there was a whole team of girls at the beginning that all die and then you get a different team of girls i also thought it was weird that the dauber thing never came back yeah and it just like other than to set up that she gets shit on by men the whole time you mm-hmm. would think that she would be the one that would get to have some other revenge maybe they would kill abby and then she would get to save the day but yeah who knows
0: well the whole beginning of this movie doesn't make sense to me either it's just the mother is at some kind of self-help. Yeah, seminar that was that was weird to 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 find victims or but but then she lives out in the middle of nowhere, and these two hippies said we need a ride home.
1: Do they also live in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, it's like, like <laughs> they.
0: I mean, it seems like they are so far off. Because how long did it take the girls to drive there? It seems like they're really off the beaten path. Yeah. So where was this guy having this seminar? Uh, you know, yeah. like, I was like, I don't. I don't get how we got here. Yeah. Um and I don't get how Jackie if she doesn't know where the barons are knows where this campsite is or knows that it's okay to camp here yeah. or knows that there's even a lake there and and that you can yeah. set up
1: Who camp recommended going here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like like I don't know. I got
2: an anonymous telegram from <laughs> M other.
1: Yeah. I I mean I also I I kind of like that it came around that um which one was it it was abby that had the 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 invalid mother at the beginning who needed her um constantly waiting on her hand and foot and then like at the end she's getting her revenge on this woman for her feelings towards her own mother yeah but then i think you needed to play that up more we what if if we're gonna bother seeing anything at the beginning how about we see a few more scenes of her having to deal with this
2: or mother's day 2 starts with abby talking to the police like i don't know it looks like someone suffocated my mother Mm -hmm. i can't tell you what happened yeah someone must have broken in so
1: she got a taste for blood yeah and so now abby's the killer
2: (laughs) um up or down jess
1: it's a down i i I wouldn't recommend this one to anyone
2: i agree it's a down down this is like one of eli roth's favorite movies (laughs) when we saw it it was at the new beverly during his greats of roth festival and it's it's not good yeah i, I know mean, what he likes about it but
1: there's it, as a horror film it doesn't have a lot going for it i really yeah. don't think there's so many better horror films out there so i just yeah it wasn't it wasn't great
2: Letterboxed, richard
0: oh this is way way down there um this is coming in at 105 out of
2: 108 or 109 what? now 109
0: Uh, so this is going just below Gorp and just above zombie flesh eaters. Nice. Zombie two or zombie. I don't know what what that that movie
2: zombie Two, zombie. This is 91st place for me. Uh, that goes right below how to beat the high cost of living and just above. He knows you're alone.
1: So I have it in like the mid nineties. I think it's like 95, 96, somewhere around there. Um, It's below Can't Stop the Music and above Baltimore Bullet.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show, and if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can also support the show through Patreon.com slash Vintage Video Podcast. And on that note, I'd like to offer a special shout-out to the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. Thank you so much for your iTunes review. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Ordinary People, which IMDb describes like so. The accidental death of the older son of an affluent family deeply strains the relationships among the bitter mother, the good-natured father, and the guilt-ridden younger son. We leave you now with the trailer for Ordinary People. In this
1: typical town, in this comfortable home, three ordinary people are about to live an extraordinary story. It's starting all over again. The lying, the covering up, the disappearing for hours. I will not stand for it. I can't stand it. I really can't. psychiatrists are you? They all believe in dreams. I do believe
0: in dreams. Only sometimes I want to know what's happening when you're awake.
2: I don't want to see any doctors or counselors. This is my family problems and we'll solve those problems in the privacy of our own home Conrad!
0: i knew something was wrong even before he tried to uh, kill himself
1: i think it is a very private matter you never
0: came to the hospital no, How do you comrad, know about your the mother hospital i did come to the hospital comrade and you know that i just don't know how to
1: deal with it anymore why are you asking me huh? why are you trying to oh, make me mad are you sister?
2: mad no he provokes
1: people I would never have let him put electricity in my head. You blame me for the whole thing.
0: Come on, come on. Can't you see anything except in terms of how it affects you? I, I miss it
2: sometimes. The hospital. But that was a hospital. This is the real
0: world. Did it hurt? I've never really talked about it. How long are you going to punish yourself? When are you going to quit? You loved him what in hell has happened that she hates
1: me can't you see that mothers don't hate their sons
0: i mean there's someone besides your mother you gotta forget you better make sure that your kids are good and safe Ah! and then you come to me and tell me how to be happy do you love me do you really love me Ah! just
2: do one wrong thing and what was the one wrong thing you did
1: donald sutherland mary tyler moore john hirsch Timothy Hutton in an extraordinary story of ordinary people.